Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to have you with us because today we are interviewing Janice Lane. She's the Executive Director of Teaching and Learning with Baltimore City Public Schools, and she is just one of the smartest people that I know. I'm so happy that she's here, and I feel so lucky to know her. So, Janice, would you mind starting by telling us a little bit about yourself? Great. Yes, thanks, Lori and Melissa. I am super excited to be here with both of you tonight and all of your podcast followers. Um, I have been with City Schools for nine years. I was the former director of literacy and then moved into the executive director of teaching and learning role that I've been serving in for the past three years. Uh, prior to that, I worked for a nonprofit in Baltimore City, supporting literacy across the district, both with uh, principals and teachers and have really just followed the roots of literacy deeply since I was a teacher in Anne Arundel County as my start. Awesome. Thanks, Janice. So we wanted to talk to you tonight about um, how we got here. So here in Baltimore, we spent about the past a little more than a year now working our way towards getting a new literacy curriculum. And we just wanted to talk to you a little bit about what our journey was getting to Wit and Wisdom and even the new things we've learned along the way. Like right now we're talking about um, adding on geodes and what that means for our district. So any and all that you have for that. Absolutely. <laughs> we uh, had our own in, in developed um, or individual curriculum that we developed in city schools for a number of years. And we're following current research about high quality curriculum and what it really takes to implement well. Uh, so we spent quite a bit of time engaging multiple stakeholders, both teachers, um, really parents, community members, to really understand what was needed in Baltimore for curriculum. So beyond just what were the newest curriculum materials out there, we were also taking into account what would be the match for Baltimore City. Mm -hmm. uh, we spent some time working with really smart partners like David Lieben, Nell Duke, um, and most importantly, really closely building a relationship with Ed Reports. So we started with the adoption process. We worked with Johns Hopkins University, had them do an audit of our current curriculum so we could understand where there were deficits and holes. And what we noticed was that the curriculum we had built really had a lot of content knowledge gaps in it and were creating deficits for students without trying to do that. We also noticed that we weren't really celebrating the richness of Baltimore or the mm -hmm. richness of our students and their history. Uh, so we decided that it was time to start investigating new curriculum. We did some research around best practices in um, teaching, as well as current research in high quality material development. There's been such a surge of that information out there. Uh, the third thing we did was really brought in a stakeholder group to start the review of the curriculum. Um, I'm pretty proud of the process that was led in Baltimore around that. We engaged families, we engaged teachers, we had our school leaders with us, um, and we really did a lot of development of the team who did the review. So that team worked extremely close with leading experts in literacy like Nell Duke, um, David Lieben was part of that work with us, and we partnered with Ed Reports so that not only could we understand what the high quality material demands were, but we really were able to understand the way that they were rated by teachers. And that really created this awesome foundation of an opportunity for us to make a decision around high quality materials. Awesome. Thank you. And so I just want to clarify, can you elaborate a little bit on the current research? You mentioned that you dug into current research to launch this whole process. Can you just share some of the findings or um, quote some of the research that you looked into? Absolutely. We looked into multiple <laughs> pieces. Some of those pieces were around the work of content knowledge. So, you know, in previous years, there was so much work around guided reading or balanced literacy as a driver. So what we did was started looking at some information like the baseball study um, that many people quote. 
Um, we looked at research around um, the work that Nell Duke has done to really look at what does balance create in a classroom. So how do we make sure and ensure that there are opportunities for deep word study, opportunities for students, especially in early grades, to engage with language, um, to really think about what is the ongoing work that engages students with high tasks that have high rigor in those. Um, so quality tasks, quality text, being able to ensure that students build advocacy and ownership. Um, so we did some of the work too that, you know, David Lieben has done around the standards as well as um, some of the current research that talked about, you know, information, for example, from the Opportunity Myth and TNTP also help informed help to inform the work that we were doing in the district. So thinking about how do you create that ongoing balance for students and for teachers in meaningful ways. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I feel like when you're mentioning the advocacy and ownership, for me, that speaks to equity and that we're leveling the playing field for all kids. Can you talk a little bit about how the curriculum or the curriculum that you were looking for was going to be equitable for our students like it had not been in the past? Sure. What we wanted to make sure in the curriculum where there were opportunities for all students to engage in that high quality text, that there weren't choices where sometimes people were thinking or teachers would think that too hard for my students um, or thinking mm -hmm. that they had to over scaffold. We saw a lot of that happening where teachers were working really hard in support of their students, but actually stripping the rigor and the depth of the content away from students. So the curriculum we looked for, we talked about really thinking that the access had to be there. We were looking for curriculum that, you know, really created systems and structures for routines for students and for teachers that allowed for students to engage and build that ownership. So there were opportunities for students to read and write about things that mattered to them that were relevant, um, both relevance in interest, but also culturally relevant for students. And then really thinking about, you know, was there the practice for teachers that both created a structure, but still allowed teachers to be creative in their practice. So not something that dictated every single move, but enough that created that opportunity to make sure that they were learning as they were engaging with the curriculum and building their own pedagogical practices and their instructional routines throughout their opportunities in the work. So Janice, one thing you mentioned in there was about that, that change in research from around guided reading was one thing that you threw out there. Um, can you, can we talk a little bit about um, like the foundational skills in K2 that we know wit and wisdom actually does not have in the, their own curriculum. They recommend other things, but what, what were our decisions in our district around that? And what are we still working on? Sure. Absolutely. We believe wholeheartedly in a systematic approach to phonics. I think the one thing about that work is there is so much research and the brain research and science research around teaching to read and learning how to read in those beginning grades. It's not really a guessing game. There is definite mm -hmm. science around how to, how, what's the acquisition of language and that development look like for beginning readers. Um, we were a district that used foundations, which is a Wilson product. And I would say that we, we had used it for a number of years, but it wasn't really tied back into the purpose of how does that work in the trajectory of learning to read. Mm. So we spent some time doing that much more closely around what do we want teachers to engage with and students to engage with so that you build that systematic, regular approach and that students have multiple opportunities to engage with decodable text, to practice those routines of language and structure, um, to utilize the vocabulary in meaningful ways. And so what we started to look for was that opportunity to continue to enhance that in a very systematic and regular approach in the classroom. But we also know that you can do the phonics piece and overdo the phonics piece, if that makes sense, so that you teach kids just to decode, but mm -hmm. you don't actually build the background and content knowledge that supports the comprehension and development. So in city schools, we know you need both, right? When you try to do that 
you, you, you need both. You can't have one or the other, and you really yep. need to have balance within that structure. So when we did our investigations of the curriculum, one of the bonus pieces of utilizing wit and wisdom is their curriculum correlates with foundations and foundations was a known entity in the district, but it gave us an opportunity to kind of build up that um, professional development and training around it. It also allowed us to um, build a partnership around what they were building. You know, Wit and Wisdom was developing what they call geodes, which are their decodable text. Um, and I have to say, you know, I've been around for a little bit of time. When I taught first grade many, many years ago, um, we had decodable text, which was one of the reasons I did not like teaching phonics in first grade <laughs> back then, right? Because the stories were the boy went up, the boy went up, up, yeah. up, the boy went down, the boy went down, down, down. And, you know, being the eager, brand new first grade teacher, I could never understand why my kids couldn't read. And then when I read that, I kind of figured that out from that point, right? <laughs> um, so one of the first conversations we had with Wit and Wisdom was this opportunity to think about the geodes they were developing those decodable texts. And they were saying to us, you know, it has the decodable text. So it has some of those things we mentioned about controlled vocabulary, repetition, you know, building, but what they wanted to add to it was the content knowledge. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we were really excited to see that they were in development. Um, they partnered with foundations around that. So it matched the scope and sequence. It did follow that systematic approach versus a haphazard you know, read this decodable here and try this one there. Um, and I have to tell you, we saw them and have started our training on them maybe about a month ago. And they are the most amazing text I've seen. The content knowledge that is built and the repetition of that vocabulary is just phenomenal. It's done beautifully and it allows students to build their content while they're practicing the strategies of decoding and what they're learning in their phonetics or their um, phonics program. So for me to see those in action, I've never seen anything like that out right now. And I am super excited to see those in the hands of our students next, you know, this upcoming school year. I think our teachers are going to be blown away with the opportunity. One of the things we noticed in implementation this year is the amount of knowledge students are building and the excitement mm -hmm. around their learning. And this is just another tool to actually build up the accuracy, the fluency for students to really not only build the knowledge, but build their reading capacity. So that foundations with the content knowledge, with the work of wit and wisdom will really offer a complete package so that we have balanced readers um, and balanced, you know, opportunities for teachers to really think about creating whole students versus just zeroing in on one aspect or another. Yeah. And those geodes really are, I mean, they're engaging books just to look at on their own, but to know that they so systematically connect the foundation skills and the content from Wit and Wisdom, I mean, that is just amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm totally jumping in, Melissa. I feel like um, the the texts are so rich in content that you forget that you're reading a decodable a text. Decodable, it's yeah. like you're reading a, a regular book, building your knowledge and it's, but it's so appropriate. It really is that bridge from between foundations and wit and wisdom. So you yeah. can just see it right there, you know, merging the two. Um, and I did want to call out, I pulled out an article that I had um, that I just wanted to call out and just, just use the research that Janice mentioned, um, I'm going to call out a specific article. David Lieben um, with Student Achievement Partners and David Page with Bellarmine University wrote Why a Structured Phonics Program is Effective. And if it's okay, Melissa, I'd like to read just a, like a couple sentences. Of course. Uh, support what Janice said. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it says that numerous research findings have suggested that too few children are acquiring the decoding and fluent reading skills necessary to become competent readers. We propose that one reason for these poor outcomes is the preponderance of initial reading programs that fail to provide students with adequate phonics knowledge. In this paper, we briefly overview some of the research findings that highlight the challenges with phonics knowledge and reading fluency attainment. We then make the case that structured phonics is the most effective reading curriculum for ensuring students acquire knowledge of the letter sound correspondences that are fundamental to becoming successful readers. So I want to pause there and just, you know, think about that, that 
if we can merge all of that with the content knowledge, which Geodes has done for us in this incredible package. And it just feels special when you hold it. I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't it feel amazing? Like it's oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> gorgeous text, gorgeous pictures. The the whole support is amazing. Yeah. So I I just think that um, you know, I, I'm just so excited about it and I can't wait to hear how how Baltimore is um implementing and, and is using it uh this coming school year. Yeah. And Lori, just to add on to that, we we've had our leadership institute this week in Baltimore and just some great things that were shared with all of the leadership in Baltimore City around what you were just talking about um, that just stuck with me was <laughs> around the, um, the idea that it's really any phonics program, a systematic phonics program, as long as teachers are actually sticking to that systematic part of the program that is really important. But it will work if, we, if, if teachers are really sticking to it. Um, yes. But also just how important it is. Um, you know, he, our, our, our newest chief of schools talked a lot about how, how the long-term effects of, of if, if we get that right, the long-term effects of that, of having readers that will be on level from second grade on is just huge. The impact is really huge. That's right. I, and I appreciate that, Melissa. I think there are a number of programs that meet the, the needs of what we're talking about. And again, you know, stretching, stressing that systematic approach where you're building the routines, I think is critical. And also, you know, if we don't have that, when we talked about that balance piece, you know, there's so much research around that K information. If you're not on level in, in kindergarten, that's your predictor of 10th grade, right? So, right the importance and the focus that it needs and requires. And I think that goes to ensuring that we know that our teachers are comfortable with that too, and that they understand the systematic build, both of the, the phonics work, as well as the content knowledge development and how those two interplay together so that you make sure that you're making both a priority and your daily decision-making with your students. Yeah. And I think what I'm hearing from both of you is just the, that fidelity again, right? The fidelity to the program so that it does become um, over time something that is implemented with really strategic purpose um, so that the kids are getting what they need. So I, I appreciate appreciate that. And I see that you're pulling something up on your computer, Janice. Looking, I didn't get <laughs> you didn't, you didn't get far enough. <laughs> I was like, are you going to bust out some incredible article? <laughs> <laughs> You really want to excel on this podcast, I know, don't you? Right? I would, I would <laughs> nail it. I would be invited back the first, second return guest. It won't take much. We're only on episode seven. That's right. You've got a pretty good chance of coming back. <laughs> um, we can come back to the research if you want to. Yeah. Well, I have an article we can talk about that connects to what we were, you were just saying. So if we want to Do talk it. about that one. Yeah. Um, so there is an article that I read recently that we did not share with Janice, but we can talk about it anyway. It is called um, Strong Materials in the Hands of Great Teachers. Yeah. And it was written by Barbara Davidson and Susan Pimentel. Um, and it's really about, so we have great curriculum. We have it in place. It's research-based. But how do we make it work? And how do we make sure that, and you touched on a little bit of like, you know, how do we make sure teachers are in it, believe in it, and are, are on board with this and making it happen. So I was just wondering, Janice, like what you, your thoughts are on after our first year, how are we continuing to make it work? Can you share first how we made it work? Sure. <laughs> well, how we made it work the first year. Yeah. <laughs> how do we keep making it work? And how we're continuing to make Even it work. better. That's right. We'll skip right ahead, right? Fast forward. Um, I think that, you know, we were fortunate. I have to say that in Baltimore, we are fortunate to have amazing teachers and school leaders. Mm. And part of what we did in the strategy was involve them from the start. So when we knew we wanted curriculum, you know, we started those conversations early. So we started talking about the what and the why behind the curriculum. Mm -hmm. uh, we shared the results of the findings of the audit. So people really understood the necessity and the urgency of new materials. They also understood what we were looking for in materials, not just because we had some ideas about standards alignment and typical, you know, educational focus pieces that would come from the central office, 
but we talked to our teachers to find out, you know, that they wanted a comprehensive curriculum. We talked to our community members who wanted something that was really culturally relevant and, and mattered to our kids. Uh, and then we took that and rolled that together with research. So I would say one of the things we did up front was engage them early and continued the transparent process. So, you know, we let folks know when we got to the top two choices what those curriculum materials look like. There were opportunities for folks to review them and see them. Um, and then, you know, we did things like Facebook Live so that folks could hear directly from myself and the CAO around why we were doing this and what our intentions were. Um, and then I think once we got the materials identified and, you know, had the board approval and were able to share the messaging, people were excited for it. There was a readiness in the district. You know, our curriculum previously had been built aligned to the Common Core, but it was, a, you know, what we considered a bridge curriculum. It wasn't something we were considering to keep us going year over year, mm -hmm. um, but it lasted for us about seven years. So it was time. People were ready. Um, I think there's been, as you know, as we've mentioned, so much more research around high quality materials and why they matter, um, as well as the research around, you know, the content knowledge itself, but then the knowledge around phonics and how do we integrate that knowledge around educative features in a text mm -hmm. um, or in a curriculum so that the materials themselves actually have information that support teachers as they're planning and developing um, so for us, it was that was the first was that smart adoption. Number two was to become best friends with our partner. Right. So we we started working with Wit and Wisdom, you know, side by side. And in that time, really built a a different kind of a relationship. We really don't think of them as vendors. We think of them as partners. So mm -hmm. one of the things we do in Baltimore is make sure people are really clear around our mis mission and vision. So our CEO had outlined um, a blueprint for success with one of the tenants being literacy. So we really had some clear ideas about what we wanted advocacy to look like for students, what we wanted classroom instruction to look like, how we wanted our school leaders to learn and engage in that. So we spent the beginning time really getting to know wit and wisdom and them getting to know Baltimore. Um, we like to Baltimoreize everything. So Wit and Wisdom had some great materials, but they were side by side with us to roll up sleeves and say, okay, Baltimore wants this, let's make it happen. So we started um, really working and I have to give huge kudos to my literacy team, um, my director, Ashley Cook, and all of the team members um, that work at central office, as well as our school-based, we have what we call academic content liaisons. So they're the folks that support literacy in the schools. And we were fortunate enough at the same time to bring on a new opportunity for 20 coaches um, and a coach coordinator that did some amazing work to support the curriculum. So we were building up some internal systems and structures to support what we knew would be a large implementation. Um, and so, you know, again, making sure there was readiness, making sure people felt comfortable, you know, change isn't always a great thing for folks. Um, mm -hmm. So we wanted to make sure we primed the pump before we just came out and said, hey, here's new curriculum and new time. Um, mm -hmm. And then after we started that, we built a real clear scope and sequence around what the learning would be for the year. Um, again, we were clear about the two outcomes, uh, two outcomes of really just internalizing the curriculum, really just learning it. What does it mean? What's the design? How was it built? You know, built on a content knowledge foundation we had to make sure folks understood what that meant and why was it important, right? Um, so we did a lot of work around that. And then the second goal was really thinking about purposeful planning and preparation. So how could teachers utilize the materials, understand what was there, and take that into action every day for their classrooms? And we did that really for all stakeholders. So thinking about what did that look like for school leaders, but what did that look like for teachers? And then really, what did that look like for the stakeholders I mentioned before so that everybody had a readiness level? We also took the stance of a learner, right? I mean, you can't take something huge that's brand new and shift and expect expertise. So we took the stance from leadership down to classroom teachers, back up and down and through to really think about what that looks like in implementation every day and being willing to try on things, provide feedback 
um, listen to the feedback. You know, for us at Central Office, it was important to have the voice of teachers front and center in every decision that was made um, and really work side by side with wit and wisdom to deliver the best and most current and relevant um, professional development we could do, as well as some support structures. So we did some things like some learning walks, um, some spotlight visits, which were opportunities for wit and wisdom to come into schools and actually provide feedback to teachers um, in a non-threatening way, right? It, they were the opportunity to say, this is going really well, and here might be something we want to work on. But folks were engaged side by side with us with that. Um, and again, you know, just collecting as much data as we can We've been engaged deeply in improvement science work in the district. So it's been an opportunity for us to really, you know, use some of the empathy interviews to listen to our teachers, to talk to our principals, to see, you know, we thought this might be a good idea, but this part's actually not working. So how do we revisit the professional development or the strategies mm -hmm. with our teachers and our leaders to make it a better implementation model? Yeah. Are you sure you didn't read the article already, Janice? No, not yet, but I will. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure you hit on all four of the things that they said that you need to do. <laughs> I think that you did. <laughs> yeah, so just, just to recap really quickly, the things that they said were to embrace a we're in this together leadership stance, <laughs> uh, tend to the hearts and minds of teachers by sharing the philosophy and research behind the new curriculum, which you talked about making professional learning curriculum specific and investing in our teachers through year long professional learning. So I think you hit on all four of those. Yeah. That piece <laughs> around professional development is something that sometimes, you know, we take for granted that it's just teachers need, you know, whether it's an orientation or a kind of a piece versus the depth of learning. And I, mm -hmm. I think that we, um, in partnership again with Wit and Wisdom, really did a lot around building the foundation of not just the curriculum, but the why behind. So utilizing the research um, so that teachers really had the opportunity to deepen their own understanding, right? And as I said, we have amazing teachers that had done their own research, had done their own readiness, and were able to come to that really prepared to not only, um, you know, find out what's best for their students, but to really take the opportunity to dig into the standards and to push us for meaningful ways to engage with professional development, with those learning opportunities, with opportunities to share. I think one thing that we're really excited for in year two um, moving forward is the opportunity to actually leverage more teacher leadership now. So we have some teacher fellows that have been working with Wit and Wisdom in mm -hmm. partnership to really look at how can we open practice across the district so that first grade teachers can get together with first grade teachers and talk about the next module. What are they doing? You know, what kind of prep are they seeing that they need? How can they collaborate together to make smart decisions to be able to support one another? So that's another piece for us that is, you know, a stay tuned, exciting work coming yeah. ahead. Yeah. And I think really exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. And to add to that, I think what was really special is that for the first time in the history that I had been with um, Baltimore, the PD was curriculum specific. So it wasn't just about, you know, here are the standards, here are some strategies, here are some best practices. It was let's dig into the curriculum and really get to know it intimately and be able to prepare purposely for our kids and to be able to export this lesson in a truly deep and meaningful way. Um, that so intellectual I, prep for teachers is key. So the time that they were able to understand the curriculum and then, like you said, dig right in and what's coming next week, what do I need to get ready for, I think was phenomenal. And we've spent a lot of time, too, thinking about the context of all learners in Baltimore, back to that equity issue. Uh, mm -hmm. So we started thinking about, you know, everybody was engaged in the learning. So our special educators were getting that training. Our um, English language learners were getting the same training and really thinking about those supports in comprehensive ways so that when we were looking at the curriculum and that internalization, it was the build of the curriculum, the way it was designed and intended versus feeling like, uh, my kids are too low for this, or I need to redo, you know, and scaffold up or down for something. So that was part of the ongoing work, both with school leaders and teachers as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that side-by-side -side approach was key. I, I feel like the, um, the, the principals who I know who are really into getting into the curriculum, like they made it their business to get to know it. Um, I felt like it took off a little bit quicker there because they could talk the talk and walk the walk with their teachers. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, just it just made for a really like learner centered environment. Um, so I wanted to call that out as well as a, a highlight. Um, I think to wrap this part up, possibly, um, is there anything for the future, you know, maybe something that is not even right for us to be thinking about right now in year two, beginning of year two, um, but that you're thinking will need to happen to keep this going long term? Sure. I think that, you know, we will continue to identify identify clear outcomes for, for the work moving forward. I think mm-hmm. this year we will be spending time understanding the depth of content um, mm-hmm. to ensure that, you know, we're not making assumptions about people's content knowledge, whether mm-hmm. that's the teacher, the leader, whether that's the students themselves. But really, how do we unpack that and make sure that the coherency is there across grades? Um, is something that we need to continue to think about. So again, this idea of how do we meet the needs of learners is really important. So, you know, we have um, yeah. some struggling students as, you know, any large urban does and providing this high quality material um, with the depth of content, with the pieces there has really set a new um, a new bench for what instruction looks like. So when I talked earlier about the the rigor and those high quality tasks and opportunities that we have for students, that's been a game changer. I think what we continue to need to talk about are some of the things around balance or, you know, um, mindset that people hold sometimes. And it Mm -hmm. may be a mindset or it may just be something that they were trained in and understanding. So, you know, the questions around where does level text fit with this? Um, What do we need to do around that work? And really thinking about how do we help teachers Um, continue to feel that they're decision makers in the process, right? Which is one of the things I really think is highlighted in the curriculum is there are systems and structures. One of the beauties or, you know, one of the many beauties of wit and wisdom is there are instructional routines that start in kindergarten and, you know, continue to cycle through through grade eight. Um, You know, we were able to adopt K-8 this year um, in that curriculum work. So moving forward, looking at that will continue to be work that we want to ensure that the supports are put in place around that work. And then I think for us moving forward, you know, another piece for Baltimore is really what comes for high school. We've been looking for that material match for nine to 12. Um, mm-hmm. We led a very similar process to what we did in K-8. And the materials that we reviewed were not as of quality. So I'm really, you know, happy that we as a district had decided to put a hold on that um, and not just adopt materials so that we would have new materials because that's what we thought we needed, but really the opportunity to try and find something that meets the same criteria that we have identified with wit and wisdom. Uh, so, you know, we'll be continuing to do that research and continuing to work with our secondary teachers to do very similarly with what we did with the K-8 teachers. So I think for us, it's that continued support. It's really now, you know, I can't say enough about how well our teachers and our school leaders embraced this change, how willing mm-hmm. they were to really do what was best on behalf of kids, um, to really collaborate together around that work. And I think they're ready for the next part, right? So it's what what does part two look like? How do we go deeper in our implementation? So before when we were just learning the systems and routines, now we're learning the content in a deep way that will even enhance deeper what our students are doing, you know, and, and really develop that into a meaningful learning environment for our students all the way. So are you able to, in a nutshell, without um, getting too nitty gritty, so for a listener who doesn't know Baltimore intimately like we do. Um, Can you share some of the structures, like give really clear examples of how you set up PD for this past year, for year one implementation, um, and maybe speak to the levels of, um, you know, the teacher cohort, the leader cohort, the district office cohort, um, and how how that played out throughout the year and, and what was running through your mind as you were making those decisions with teams of folks. Sure. Absolutely. And again, you know, um, I want to credit my literacy team for doing phenomenal work in partnership with Wit and Wisdom to really think about the multi-stakeholder approach. So, you know, of course, we knew PD directly was needed for teachers so that, again, teachers could become familiar with, understand, be prepared for, um, and connect to previous learning that they brought to this work. 
Uh, so that was, you know, our first kind of scope that we started thinking about and talking through was what do teachers need? But then within that, you know, automatically we need to think about what do school leaders need? And we know that school leaders need enough of the information. They don't need to go down to every single grade level and know every unit, every module. But what we thought was really important was that they would understand the design of the curriculum. So understanding those routines I spoke about earlier, um, why the curriculum is built on the foundational structures that it is. So both, again, the balance of that decoding and phonics work and encoding work that students need early in grade levels and then how the content knowledge supports that. So how the curriculum both and matches what a student needs. Um, and so doing that, what we did is we have some systemic days across the district. Typically, they're anywhere from four to five days that we bring teachers together by grade level. And what was important to us was that we learned from the experts. We didn't want to train the trainer model day one. We wanted to make sure that we had the experts who designed the curriculum, who developed the curriculum, come out and actually support our implementation. Another um, cool feature with Wit and Wisdom is they actually use facilitators that are actually current in the teaching of Wit and Wisdom. So they're not folks that just, you know, work in the office, um, but really have practice with the implementation or are teachers themselves of the implementation or school leaders in multiple aspects. So, you know, they came in in the summer. We did a launch where we kicked off the opportunity again, you know, I know I've said it several times, but I think it's really important to understand the design of the curriculum and why it was built the way it was. Um, so we did that as well as the initial prep that teachers would need. So the module unpacking so that they could see what the upcoming learning looked like, understand the standards of that, um, understand the systems and routines, um, and really start to just figure out the cadence of what day-to-day -day teaching looked like. Um, then what we did was as we went into the year, we started, you know, bringing our teachers together, as I said, four or five times across the year by grade level. Um, and whenever we were able to do that, we did the same thing with leaders a few days before. So we would have our leaders typically a half day uh, that those leaders would come together and they would get a, a foreshadow of what their teachers were going to get but they would get it from the leadership lens. So again, they weren't going down into every single detail, but they were understanding um, the design of the curriculum, the momentum of what their teachers were expected to do and what they would see in their classrooms. And then we um, also really concentrated on leadership actions. So what could a school leader do to support implementation? You know, as with any curriculum year one, pacing becomes an issue. So we did a lot of discussion of that work. We did some collection of, you know, feedback from the field, whether they were from learning walks or information that the literacy team was having from our folks that were in the field um, to really try to target information based on implementation in Baltimore. Uh, so we had that going on at the same time. And then we also had wit and wisdom, as I said, as those lead experts support our district office staff. So that would include our literacy department. We're, um, you know, a district of, of a good size that serves about 80, 83,000 students and, you know, have a literacy team that manages that work. Um, and so they got training. Those coaches that I talked about earlier were side by side in the training. Um, our academic content liaisons, our principal supervisors, Everyone in the district had exposure to wit and wisdom and had the depth of understanding of what the expectations were, what the messaging was. Um, you know, that is something that you can't stress enough in a district is a communication plan, um, because no matter how many times you feel you've said something, it comes out in different ways to different people. So I think that's a really <laughs> important key feature to think about is how do you codify and capture what that messaging is so that every stakeholder can go back and say, oh yeah, these are our two implementation goals. This is what it means. This is what we're focusing on. You know, you can't focus on everything at once. Um, mm -hmm. But I think because of the beautiful design of the curriculum, that when you look at, at the curriculum and in the understanding, for example, writing is embedded throughout in very strategic ways, but we did not year one focus quote unquote on writing. Um, where we'll be diving a little deeper into that in year two. But what happened was teachers were still teaching writing because it was embedded in the curriculum. But again, yeah. we wanted to make sure that that learner stance with time and space was available for everybody. And I have to say that was modeled from the CEO 
down to the CAO, to our chief of schools, you know, down to teaching and learning, to our literacy department, to teachers, to really think about what does that learning stance look like and that we're all embracing this and, and learning together year one so that we knew, you know, there would be bumps in the road, but those bumps in the road weren't let's hit everybody over the head with fidelity um, you know, or timing or this couldn't happen, but really trying to come together to think about strategies. Um, and then the second half of the year in the spring, we were actually able to take a number of schools out for a site visit to visit other schools um, in other states that were implementing wit and wisdom. So we had some really strategic school leaders who were stopping to reflect of, you know, the close of year one, already processing what they wanted to do for year two, but they were able to see another district or another school implement with some simple things like, you know, teachers were using timers and those timers were not used for accountability. Like, you know, the launch says it's supposed to be seven minutes and you're on minute 15, but the mm -hmm. timer was really used for the teacher as a self-monitoring tool so that the teacher could see, you know what, it's my, you know, my timer just went off and I'm at 10 minutes, but I'm still going. So I need to, I need to monitor that I need to get through that. Um, so some simple lessons learned, I think were really helpful in thinking forward and then, and supporting that work ongoing. So now what we've done is really designed a multi-year approach for all of our stakeholders in this, in this development for professional development and also been thoughtful about, well, what about a teacher that switches a grade level? What kind of boot camp do they need? Or a teacher okay. that may be new to the district, you know, that um, didn't get the launch so that we've got multi-tiered kind of approaches happening in the professional development. But I'm proud to say that we have been able to prioritize and keep that momentum going for year two. Um, we want to make sure that we have that same kind of strand for our school leaders, for our district leaders, for our teachers. And as I said, the thing that we want to do this time is elevate some of that teacher leadership a little deeper. Thank you. That was very comprehensive. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I would like to, maybe not tonight, but um, at some point, I would love to hear more about the spotlight visits that happened because I know that we piloted those. And I was talking with a principal today that just shared how insanely impactful it was. He said that in his career, that, that those visits were the most valuable embedded, embedded PD that he had had. I think that. And yeah. I had a principal in my session today who said the same thing. She said it was the most painful thing she's done all year, but the most valuable. <laughs> and I, I can credit that that's true, Melissa, because I was in your room when that comment came out. Right? I think that's another really good point, just to be short and brief, because I know I can be a little long-winded here, right? But I think that this idea of what was amazing about the spotlight visits where they were a supportive structure. So we had, you know, we had a couple of different kinds of learning walks that we were doing. That was a learning walk that was really intended to support teachers and the school leadership teams in their implementation, um, again, with expertise side by side with them. And then, you know, we as a district came together to really think about our learning walk protocols and what were we focusing on to make sure that you know, in any year implementation, especially year one, you don't want 10 people telling teachers 10 different messages. And it really happens a lot unintentionally. It's not that people are trying to confuse people, right? But you have different people coming in for different purposes. So we were able to really leverage some of that learning in our partnership to think about what did we really want to pay attention to? And again, those two goals the curriculum was the center pin of all of our professional development. Um, and then we were able to take that and make sure that the curriculum was that same center pin for learning walks. So when we were doing learning walks, we were talking about core actions of is the text, you know, high quality text that students are engaging in are the tasks and the questions tied to the standards and rigorous for all students. And then finally, are all students owning that work, right? Again, we don't want to over scaffold that kids aren't getting that rigorous opportunity. And we want every student engaging deeply. So we spent a lot of time in leadership thinking about that alignment. So I, you know, I think it would be great. Maybe we could even ask a principal to join us for some of that conversation as well. Yes. And uh, we have already asked uh, forthcoming, we'll have several episodes with, with lots of exciting guests. So we have Ashley Cook coming on. We have Brielle Ucoha, who is a coach uh, in one of our schools.
Um, and then we are doing an episode with geodes. So we'll be, we'll be able to capitalize on everything that you've just shared. So this is the perfect timing for this. Right? <laughs> good, good, good. Yes. And I have maybe one more question for Denise, <laughs> maybe more, <laughs> at least one more. Um, because we have been stalking a little bit on Twitter, because as everyone knows, we are stalkers of people. Um, we noticed that you're part of a PLN, a professional learning network, that um, is all about this new curriculum and other curriculum that other districts are adopting. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Just because, honestly, we just want to know more. It's, it's very fancy. <laughs> It sounds a little fancy. It's a high honor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually quite um, cool to, to find a really good word, right? Um, it's a curriculum matters group. So one of the great opportunities that was presented to me was to join a 15, I believe it is, uh, district leaders uh, that carry the same position or title as mine. So either superintendents of instruction teaching and learning, chief academic officers. What we found was that there wasn't really a network for those folks around decision-making and just being in support of one another. Um, so, you know, it was an opportunity to come together and really think strategically about high quality materials, think about implementation, think about the work um, and support one another in that work. And, so, you know, we've just started um, and had a couple of calls around what this charge is, how we can share our lessons learned. Um, I'm sure you've seen that Nikia Hardy um, has recently posted information similar, you know, to some of the pieces we talked about today, but really names professional development as a key implementation strategy for once you adopt mm -hmm. the materials. Uh, so it's been, a, it's been an opportunity to network for us but I think it'll be an opportunity for us to share some of the work that we're all doing nationally to be able to support other districts and other school leaders in this decision-making. So stay tuned, continue to stalk that, you know, <laughs> hashtag curriculum. We will, first. don't worry. Um, you know, it, <laughs> that's right. I think it's, you know, it's been, it's been just a exciting start to a new platform to be able to share, you know, the stories of success, the struggles, the lessons learned and the collaboration among a network, because I think for us, just as we're trying to build those cohorts for our teachers to have that expertise, our, you know, school leaders, district leaders need that too, to really think about how do we do things and borrow strategy from one another. Um, you know, I have learned so much in this process. I am so proud to be part of Baltimore system. Um, not only as a leader in the district, but as a learner in the district and really being able to take the opportunity to leverage opportunities like side-by-side -side partnership with Ed Reports, um, working with lead experts, really taking this opportunity now nationally across this professional learning network and knowing that we all hold the same beliefs about how important curriculum is. What's really cool about the network is that there are a lot of high quality materials out there. I know I've spoken mm -hmm. really highly of wit and wisdom, but there are many. Um, wit and wisdom <laughs> was the match for Baltimore, and I am 100% behind our decision with that. Um, but in this PLN, it's not just about literacy. It's about math. It's about, you know, really understanding what students need and deserve. But it's also mm -hmm. really great to hear ideas from districts that are implementing other materials. So some of the other districts are implementing American reading um, and using their materials. Some are using um, expeditionary learning. You know, there's a vast uh, group and a, and a vast set of materials now that are out there. And, you know, really what happens with those materials when you do that review is that you'll see you can't go wrong with the, with many of them, but really it's about the match for your district. So um, I think one of the greatest opportunities is thinking about strategically professional development, ongoing learning, ways to assess the curriculum, ways to provide support to some of those things that you all highlighted around our district office, learning walks, you know, tools, et cetera. So I am super excited to see what this brings, not just to Baltimore, but brings to us as a larger network of national leaders to think about the, you know, the strength of what we can do based on that work together. So super excited. Um, and they are amazing at tweeting and keeping everybody up to date. 
Um, so I would say, you know, put that hashtag out there of curriculum matters and continue to follow it. We definitely will. <laughs> yeah, that's so exciting to me. So I, I know that some things I've been reading um, out there in the education world is about like we're in the midst of this literacy tsunami, they call it, which is I was like, wait, we are. But <laughs> when I stepped back and I thought, yeah, we are. We're in like we're in it. Right. That's why we don't notice it, because we're in it. So it's just really it's we're it's not, good we're for, not uh, for everyone, it though. We're not drowning. <laughs> and I think part of the reason is knowing like we have someone like Janice who is out there also learning from others from that bigger leadership stance um, and people working together and learning from each other. And like we mentioned, learning from our partners at Wit and Wisdom. And I feel like I feel a sense of like everyone's kind of all in it right now in this learning together stance that's really important for everyone. Well, and I think it's so important that the platforms that for sharing are so different now, right? The social media, the the work that you both are doing with the podcast to have people that, you know, just to have the conversation I think is critical. So, you know, I thank you for allowing me to be part of that. Um, And I thank you too, for both taking the leadership to, you know, organize around it to best support teachers, school leaders, district leaders, anybody who wants to learn more, there are many ways to investigate that together. So um, I'm excited that I was able to join you for that conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. I think that a part of it is that, you know, seeing is believing, but also at this point, listening is believing and hearing the stories and hearing how somebody um, launched this major implementation or not somebody you did, Baltimore. <laughs> but Baltimore, you know, as a greater whole, but hearing your perspective on how that, ha- that, that happened is so integral. And I, I can't wait for other districts who are implementing to listen and to hear and to hopefully you know, take a couple glimmers away and try it because it, it is so learner focused. Like you could try it and change your, you know, tweak your strategy to be even stronger next year. Um, but going in with that foundation and the structures and the strategies um, is just so important. So thank you for sharing. Sure. And the last word I would say in that is it is such a team effort. So really thinking about from, as I said earlier, our CEO's vision down to our, you know, every single layer in the organization, our board who approved the materials and wanted to make sure we had best for kids, our stakeholders with families, um, community members, our teachers being a pivotal part of that work, the work that the literacy team and district office team with, you know, when I say literacy team, I'm thinking our coaches, our leaders, you know, our academic content liaisons really rolling up their sleeves to do the best on behalf of kids. So, you know, I couldn't be more proud of the work that Baltimore has done this year. Um, I can't be more proud of the work they're ready to engage in for next year. As Melissa said, we're already Mm -hmm. digging into year two. Um, And the stance is the same as it was year one. People are ready. They want more. They want to go deeper. They saw what their kids could do this year. Uh, Teachers themselves are saying, we want more. Let's go. Principals are begging for what's the next stage in strategy. So super excited to see what's ahead for Baltimore. I can't wait for three years out after kids have had three years of coherence of this curriculum to see what's going to happen for our students and for our community and city as a whole. I think that's a great way to end it. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I will just say curriculum matters and the equity within that curriculum is just essential. So let's go Baltimore and, you know, thank you both for everything. Thank you. Thank you, you Denise. Thank you for calling that out and all of the people who you are the voice of right now. So thank you. Absolutely.